Welcome to Within WordPress, your favorite podcast, I hope. It should be your favorite now, but uh, maybe even more so after this one. Uh, because today we have with us Jessica. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, Ramkos. Um, and I say this because I think you have a very interesting story from um, the world of WordPress. You do not do one thing. You do actually quite a few things. Um, you're from Germany? Yes. And we most recently met at uh, WordCamp Germany itself. Um, what were you doing there? Let's start with that because I, I have... I have a few questions about the different roles you have within the community and the things that you do. I'm quite curious of uh, how everything uh, came to be in your world, but please introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, everyone. <clears throat> As Remkos already said, my name is Jessica. My last name is Lushik. Often people don't know how to pronounce it. So here you have an example. Um, yeah, I'm a WordPress developer from Germany. I have recently started working uh, with Braid, uh, a Munich-based um, agency slash product company within the WordPress field. And yeah, I've been contributing to WordPress for quite some years. Um, I actually started my community journey, let's say, in 2014, actually, at WordCamp Hamburg. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, never look back. And over time, I just tried out different things, like how can I contribute? And like uh, you said, uh, most recently it was uh, WordCamp Germany, which was one thing. And then there was uh, the latest WordPress release 6.4, was, where I was also involved. Yeah, uh, let's. I have a question lined up about that as well. So, <laughs> but let's start. Let's start with WordCamp Germany because, like, you already teased everyone into this and um, yeah uh, it was the first WordCamp since four years so the last WordCamp in Germany happened uh, before the pandemic kicked off in November 2019 yes which one was that the previous uh, that was WordCamp Düsseldorf oh, yeah Düsseldorf yes I remember yeah. I think I was there was I no no I was in Köln uh, oh, I don't know. It just happened uh, three weeks earlier. We had WordCamp Stuttgart. So there was uh, quite a busy month for WordPress people in Germany. But would you, um, would, would you say that people from, um, from so, so Germany obviously has the, the, the wonderful and, and world famous Autobahn, makes it easy to travel through Germany. If I mean, um, I live next to Germany, so whenever I go on vacation, I pass through Germany, and I always enjoy driving through it. Um, but would you say that Germans are accustomed to travel a lot, uh, maybe easier than other countries when it comes to going to work camps and stuff like that? Like if it's a work camp Hamburg, will you see people from Stuttgart or München? Everywhere. It's like we have this, I would say, like core people yeah. who you can meet at every work camp. I think so I know that's them. You know probably most of them. Yeah, yeah. So like when you're when you're like uh, attending a German WordCamp or even WordCamp Europe, a lot of people uh, travel there. So uh, 
Yeah, usually you do not have that um, people only go to the events in like their little area yep. of their country. But in Germany, we pretty much have a like nationwide community, actually. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty fun, actually. And and it looks like that. So you mentioned there is a core group uh, going from WordCamp to WordCamp, and I, I see those. Uh, I think it's mostly because I'm also at the, most of these WordCamps. But um, I so the very first German WordCamp I went to was uh, was technically not a WordCamp. It was a uh, WC Köln in 2011, I think it was. 2010, 2011. 11, I think, 11. Yeah, I, think, I think 11. So that's the first one. And from that one, every every single one going forward, you would meet the same group, essentially. Um, and it and it strikes me as as that, as that the community, the, the, the German community loves to travel because you see them everywhere. And I was kind of wondering if that is indeed is my bias of seeing the same folks or is that indeed a thing that happens? Because I know, it, it, for instance, it happens in Spain as well. People mm -hmm. love to travel in Spain, and you see the same uh, inner crowd, so to say, from Barcelona to Madrid, to Sevilla, to all of those. Yeah, I think it's fairly easy to to get around in a country. Yeah, either yeah. by by bus or by yeah, okay, bus away be it not the best example, but by train if the train arrives actually, or somehow not, oftentimes, or as you said, uh, going by car is probably the most convenient thing uh, you get around by. Yeah, so, um, and and th this is the first WordCamp you organized or did you organize previously as well? I was also the lead organizer of WordCamp Osnabrück, which happened in March, 2019. Yeah. So this was my first WordCamp I organized. And yeah, that, um, that kind of led to, uh, in combination with all what happened in the remaining of 2019 up to like 2020, early 2020, um, because previously, like when I started out in 2014 in the community, there was just one work camp a year. Yeah. So that was fairly easy because like, of course, everyone traveled there. Because it was just the only event that happened that year. And over the years, like there were two WordCamps, and then there were three WordCamps. And in 2019, we had the situation that there were actually four WordCamps in Germany. Three of them being local and one being WordCamp Europe in Berlin. Yep. And I think it was the beginning, so early of 2020, like January or something, um, where like people came up and I, it was, as I said earlier, like there was a WordCamp Düsseldorf in, at the end of November and like three weeks earlier we had WordCamp Stuttgart happen. And then there was also that some people said, well, I'm just going to one of these WordCamps because I do not want or cannot afford to travel to two like within three weeks. That doesn't make sense. And the problem here was that the community, like, did not talk to each other. So there was like, the one organizers did not know that the other organizers made uh, an event okay. basically at the same time. Yeah. And um, in early 2020, it was like, 
in Slack popping up, hey, we want to do a WordCamp. And then another uh, local community, hey, we want to do a WordCamp too. And we too, and we too. And it would have ended up with, I think, five or six WordCamps within 12 months, just within Germany. In 2020, if, uh, if, if stuff hadn't happened. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's... And that's when I kind of wrote a rant blog post yeah. Uh, on my blog, uh, where I like went through all of this, it's like, hey, we have doing this WordCamps and we have been struggling already at Osnabrück with getting uh, enough sponsors in to actually make the WordCamp happen. It was a really tough thing. We had to cut off a few expenses. Um, they were just, they would have been nice to have, but like you would not have needed it. Mm -hmm. Um. And that continued with other WordCamps too. It's like everyone was trying to make a event of the similar size with the similar features, like food and, and venue costs and everything. And it wasn't very sustainable, to be honest. I I agree. I agree. We were we were in the Netherlands, kind of forced in a similar situation where we just had to have. Uh, I think it was said four or maybe three, but we needed to have three city versions of WordCamps before we were allowed to call ourselves WordCamp Netherlands again. Uh, that's a separate discussion. Uh, we thought it was just I know. just bullshit that we were forced to be cities because have you seen the size of us? We're like a tiny and I country. And I totally agree with you because the situation in Germany is very much the same like it is in the Netherlands. Like, we're not that of a huge community. Yes, we have more people living in Germany, but the community is, I guess, the same size, WordPress community. Possibly. But so, so the, 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 the similarity with the Netherlands and, and, and Germany there is that the exhaustion of uh, volunteers, speakers, sponsors, and organizers just became too much. And this is something we knew that was going to happen way before we were, um, well, Forced. It's not technically forced because you can do it or you or you don't. But uh, but yeah, that that was a weird situation to be in, and it's interesting to see that that the same thing happened in German uh, Germany. With the so when you started uh, volunteering there, you were already quite active in the community, helping out left and right. What made you decide? Uh, hey, why don't I try uh, organizing as well? Um, I think we should start with WordCamp Bosnabrück, which then leads to like, uh, what happened at WordCamp Germany, let's put it like that. Yep. So at WordCamp Bosnabrück, there was basically the organizing team came from the local meetup, the Münster Osnabrück meetup. Yep. And it was basically just the, I think. We were 10 people at that time organizing this. And um, yeah, I, I'm i not, I cannot remember for sure if like, I, I wasn't forced into it. It's like, it was open, like, hey, yeah, yeah. would you mind doing this as an organizer? And I was like, well, maybe, so I don't they, mind. They tricked you. Well, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it uh, became a very uh, well-received WordCamp. I had great, I have heard great feedback of it um, from people attending. Yep. So 
that was kind of nice, although we had a few issues in the, within the team back at the time, but stuff happens with people. Yeah, I was going to say people are going to people, so there, there, there will always be issues in, in, in one way uh, or another. Yeah. I think we and Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and um, then we, well, then basically the year happened, as I just explained, with the two word camps in November, and then the blog post I wrote, and then we had a few years of pandemic and no events at all. And calm down. Exactly. And at uh, work camp Europe in Porto in 2022, like a couple of folks like came together let's, hey, and, and said, let's, hey, let's do uh, a work camp Germany finally, because now. Make it a work camp Germany and don't have to do city based work camps anymore. Yep. So let's try it. Yeah, it, it uh, makes sense. Um, I think it, uh, from a, a, a branding perspective, makes, makes and just just simple. The branding uh, perspective is already, uh, for me, the the biggest persuader of calling it uh, work camp, whatever country. Absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm kind of surprised that you said that the uh, community as a whole in Germany is not as big. Um, do you have any idea why that is compared to other countries? I, I mean, is everybody hooked on Typo three or still, or <laughs> like what is? Well, I hope not. <laughs> um, well, that's a good question. I think when I say the community is rather small, I would say like the core community, so the people yep. who like actively uh, organize the meetups, the local meetups. I and mean, when we have like, I don't know exact number, but like between 20 and 30 local meetup groups. So there are quite a few, Yeah. but everyone or a lot of um, meetups have like uh, trouble finding new people that actually want to commit contributing to organized meetups. So there are of course attendees and everything, but I guess most of them do not identify as being part of the WordPress community to a point where you can say, they also come to a work camp. Is there a reason for that? You think? Like, is that is that like I'm trying to figure out what what the um, so we're seeing some of this behavior in the Netherlands after the the weird two weird years. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody sort of reset back to okay, I'm not doing anything. Um, us organizing work in the Netherlands last year and this year, so between last year and this year, it's slowly starting to ramp back up, but meetups are still not even close to where they were. It's the same here. It's okay. So then I guess that's more related to the, the, the two year reset. Um, but that's interesting because there are other countries, um, where the opposite is happening. Like for instance, whatever's happening in, in, um, uh, India. Mm. In Pakistan, I think uh, there's another country I I forget now, but um, activity is soaring there versus uh, you know what's happening with us. So that's that's interesting to see that that, that that there's a difference between 
um, enthusiasm to pick up community stuff. Um, yeah, it, it actually is. So uh, we have that problem all up across all, almost all meetups in Germany, right? There were no people. For example, meetup Nuremberg, where I'm uh, currently the co-organizer in, what was it? September. I was alone. No one came. Oh. Yeah, yeah. For 30 minutes. And I wanted, just wanted to leave and go back home because, like, what's the point of sitting here all alone? Yeah. And then one person came. And that was my meetup for the month of September. Interesting. Does that become disheartening or are you just like, okay, we just, we, it's a reset. We're picking things back up. I think we're picking things back up. It's, it's the new uh, thing. So in October, it was me and the co-organizer. So there were just two people at the meetup again, but yeah. now in November, uh, so we went ahead in October, we created like a, a schedule for the next, uh, coming meetups and like, um, decide on what topics do we want to, uh, share, uh, as, as a talk. So I did, uh, this month, of course I did a 6.4 and the 2024 default theme. Yep. And. Suddenly there were 10 people. Okay. So Good. when you, when you make it interesting enough, I guess people still will come over, but like, it is definitely not this kind of community feeling you had before the pandemic when meetups had like regularly between 20 and 50, sometimes Dusseldorf it was a massive meetup. They had, I had a talk once there about, uh, Gutenberg some years back, I think it was 2019 or something, and had 80 people there at the meetup. Yeah. So we, again, I, th I think this is a trend that's more, um, I don't know, not global, but certainly uh, in this part of the world, uh, Europe, where the um, the meetups, like, so in, in the Netherlands, so the, the first meetup I went to was in 2008. And... That was roughly, you know, what was that? 20 people every single meetup. And that over the years, that slowly grew. And then we had a meetup in um, Nijmegen, which would have 125 people, if I'm not mistaken. So there were some really large meetups, like mini word camps almost, um, proper schedules, like two or three speakers, uh, snacks and the whole thing. And, you know, the... The, the the level of enthusiasm and professionalism was just very catching, very engaging. You wanted to be there. Um, and that sort of is gone now because, um, yeah, the last meetup here in uh, Leeuwarden, where I live, I think there were 11, 12 people. Mm. And nobody really knew. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's a different world for sure. But... Uh, I, I'm, I'm very curious about another uh, uh, topic you already touched on a little bit. Um, you were giving a talk about what was what it was like. I'm I'm presuming, but please correct me. What it was like to be part of the release squad for WordPress 6.4, um, where 2024 the default team was a part of. Um, I'd I'd love to hear uh, more about that because I think that's a great initiative. Yeah, um, so I've been part of the 5.6 release already. Yep. Uh, there was also the first uh, underrepresented general release, as it's called nowadays. 
and uh, I think it was the beginning of the year. No, it was last year at State of the World where someone uh, asked in the Q&A uh, if there would be such a release again with uh, oh, from underrepresented genders. And um, yeah, I think Matt said, of course, yes, we can do it again. So Josepha was again uh, preparing all of this. And once the, uh, once the call for uh, uh, release members was out, I was immediately like, okay, let's do it another time. Cause like, I think this would be fun. Cause like, you can yeah. see it there. It's actually the 5.6 uh, yeah. gift that I got yeah. from, uh, from the release. And yeah, I, I wasn't expecting like I had not uh, particularly chosen any specific position. I think it was just like put me somewhere in that squad. I'm fine with doing uh, various stuff. Um, but with my work on um, 2021, so for the 5.6 release, and also. Um, doing a style variation for the 2023 default theme that was also accepted. Yeah. It was kind of clear that my path would be like default theme lead yeah. somehow, I guess. Yeah, cool. Um, and yeah, that's where I ended up with, uh, together with uh, Maggie Cabrera. She's from Automatic. Yeah. And uh, we both together were the default theme leads for 2024. And does that mean you do the design part as well then, or...? How does that work? How, how does a default theme start to become a thing? Well, there's, there was a slight problem. Neither me nor Maggie were designers or are designers. Like I can do things, but I would not consider myself a designer. Yeah. So that was actually kind of an issue because like we were there like, well, we can do a theme, but someone has to design a theme and that is none of us. So uh, we got in touch with Josepha and like uh, Chloe um, from the release coordination and told them like this exact issue. And it took a while uh, until uh, it was figured out that we were joined by a designer, Beatrice Fialho, yeah. and uh, she did the designs for 2024. And we had an initial call with her and it was all a bit late in the process it's close like that um <laughs> but just in time <laughs> yeah mm, i wish we had more time to be honest um but are, yes are, she, she are, did the great designs on, on are, are there things in not in 2024 that you wanted to have in there plenty okay like name me a few if you want I wish uh, that the um, functionality to swap out complete templates would have been much more visible mm. in, in another part of, like, for example, the dark sidebar you have when you're in browse mode. Yep. It would have been perfect there, but it was moved to a very hidden um, contextual menu yep. somewhere. I've... And that is unfortunately that something that I... I had not on my radar for like too long, unfortunately, that uh, work has to be done in like 
the Gutenberg repository and not for the default theme. Yeah. But there was so much to do and so little time. It's like this was some of the things that like unfortunately not made it into it, uh, yeah. into 6.4. I've seen that setting. That is way too hidden. Yeah, it is. Especially considering um, so the amount of click-throughs that you have to do to access all the settings as it is already in the site editor combined with the color styles and the palettes that you pick and then you change and then you overrule and you, you, you and I'm saying this because I, I, I built quite a few uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, quite a few uh, themes, the amount of clicking through that you have to do to get all the settings is already quite high. And then to have stuff in there that's sort of hidden, yeah, that's a shame. Um, Having said that, I I am. It's been years that I was enthusiastic about a default theme, how it works and how it looks and the, the the functionality that is in there. I think the last one I got somewhat excited over was 2013, because I liked that it was different and more geared towards blogging. Um, it had the um, the focus with um, uh, post formats as well. I, mm -hmm. I like that from a from a blogging perspective. Um, I set up a site for it uh, for my mom. She still uses it. So, and and then this this twenty twenty four is I think the first one that I like. Yeah, yeah. This is it has opinions. There's there's stuff in there that makes you okay. Uh, okay, so this is how you do it. But it's also flexible enough for you to make it into something entirely different. For me, that's what a default theme should be. Um, I've missed that over the last couple of years. Like, too opinionated. Like, it, I get it because I build stuff like this, but uh, end users who have no clue what they're doing with their site and just click on it and they are greeted with a screen that's 50% black and a, a bird flying through and 50% some text, like, that doesn't make any sense to them. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, congratulations with that one because I think that is uh, one was knocked out of the park. Yeah, I think it was kind of so when Meg and I met first time at Working Europe this year, just like a few days after it was announced, the squad was announced for six point four, yeah. and I was already thinking so. Hmm, okay, maybe just I will just share like what I have as a vision for a default theme because. As you said, like the previous D4 themes, they were like, yeah, okay, but what can I do with it? Yep. Mostly, exactly. mostly just a blog. And this is, in my opinion, that's what WordPress isn't anymore. It's not just a blog system. It can be so much more. Yep. And I thought default themes of the previous years just never reflected that. And uh, basically, I told that Maggie, and she was on fire for many one. And then I was like, okay, I think this is going to be good at some point. And then we had uh, Beatrice uh, joining us as a designer. And like we had an initial call where we exactly told her what we would expect from a default theme. And she did an amazing job on creating these designs. She did. She did. Absolutely. And yeah, that's from where we started off because, of course, it had to... Um, go through, I guess, a few iterations at Automatic. 
because like at the end of the day, the default theme still has to be decided uh, by Matt if it's a yes or a no. Yep. And well, luckily we got a yes and could start working. Did you get um, any no's before you got the yes or how does that work? Is well, I remember, I, or? I remember from 5.6, it was, there were three different um, designs that I saw. So the designer provided three different designs and Matt chose one. Yep. But now I'm not sure if there was anything else in the background, but what I saw is like, we just had that one suggestion and that was basically it. So there wasn't very much of a choice at the moment. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's not too bad. And I think it's just a great showcase of what you can actually do with WordPress. How, how you can make it your own and it really shows off the vision that I had for uh, the default theme and I'm very very happy that it's been received so well like across many people so many I, people have given me that feedback that you just gave me yeah I, I I think you should be more than happy I think you should be proud um I know it's more than you doing it um but uh I, I I don't think it can be overstated the power that the default theme has in terms of showing what WordPress is capable of. Um, yep. It's been you know we're <clears throat> we're at the end of 2013. That means we're 13 years in from no longer exclusively being a blog. Um, custom post types were introduced in uh, 2009, 2010. Uh, um, and yet, this is what we continuously hear, right? Just a blog. No, it can still power a blog, but it's way more than that. And um, I think we have responsibility as as um, as release leads in terms of showing off what the possibilities of, of a theme are. And I think, um, again, um, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to give the, comp the same compliment again, but I think it's just uh, a perfect example of what a default theme should be. How does it feel like knowing that all these people are g using the theme that you helped oversight on? That's got to be a special feeling. I think I'm still not at the point where I have processed that, to be honest, because there's been so much going on. Yeah. Uh, simultaneously, even. I mean, work in Germany, we had that before. It just yep. happened a month ago. And uh, that was shortly after the release candidate, the first release candidate. Uh, yeah. And then, well, work in Germany happened. I started in a job. The release happens. Like, there was so much. And I'm still, I still have a backlog of, of things to process. So. It'll catch up with you. It'll catch up with you. I hope so. And I, I think it's uh, so. I I have a few very small, minor uh, contributions to core. One of them is inside the 2010 theme, if I remember correctly. And and that was just it was a it was a nothing change. But um, it all starts with that. Hmm? It all starts with a nothing change. Exactly. But but the idea that because I did. Um, or, or contributed to that change, uh, the, the, the thought of the impact that that had when you start calculating how many sites are affected and how many sites are using the theme, 
like, oh, okay, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and for you, that's uh, quite a few levels up. So, um, but you mentioned uh, a very busy period that uh, you're sort of wrapping up. Um, you started working for Grade. Um, you already mentioned you uh, work as a developer. Uh, can you share a little bit more about that particular side of uh, of Jessica? That particular side of Jessica, being a web developer for well seventeen well, years. Yeah, well, I was going to ask. So, how long have you? But there already is. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time already. So I started out when there was so no, no social networks where we had forums and guest books. I, yeah. I don't know if they were a thing in the Netherlands too, but they were definitely yeah. a thing in Germany. Yeah, yeah they were. And um, yeah, that's when I started out, actually. It's kind of, when I think about it, it's like, ooh, it has been a while. The, but, yeah. the amount of years that fly by uh, in this particular line of work are quite different than anything else that I've done before. So I'm, I'm, I'm 50. I've been working for 35 years, I guess, in total. Um, switched to this type of work when I was uh, 31, 32. So the last 18 years. Um, what, what I find interesting about the period of learning and the period and the years that fly by is that every single year, there's like two or three major things that you have to refocus on if you're doing the type of work that we're doing. Would you say that's the same thing happening for you? I'm not sure if it would be two to three, three two or three things a year, but definitely you cannot allow yourself to not learn something new. That's what happened to me. And for a long time, I ignored like a new JavaScript world with yeah. React and everything. I still do. <laughs> and it caught up on me, but I got around. So I am now feeling a bit more comfortable with doing so. And uh, I still feel like there's a bit more that I can learn about, but um, I've definitely made some progress on this, but it's definitely true that you should always like follow what's new, what changes, or maybe where you can just have a fun project or something. Because I didn't do that for a couple of years. And I felt like when I had to catch up and look for a new job, it's not that easy anymore. No, no, it's it, it's a quite different world now. Um, which is when I, when I jokingly said I, uh, I haven't caught up with uh, the React side of things in JavaScript, I don't plan to either. Okay. I'm, just, I'm like, okay, this is fine if it passes me by. Um, I want to, I want to focus on other things anyway. So, um, but you are, uh, you are working for Grade uh, now. Um, that's an interesting company because they do two different things, and that's quite uh, rare. They are of an agency. I think you mentioned in the intro they are an mm -hmm. agency, and they have a product. My curiosity is, uh, what made you decide to want to work in, a, in, in, in such a mixed environment? Because for most people working in the WordPress community in one way with code, um, it's usually you're either on the agency side of things or you're building products and services. And this is a 
this is clearly something else. So kind of, kind of curious for your motivation here. I think overall, the main motivation for me was not to have this mix, to be honest. Um, so I did like what I did uh, for the first 15 years of my professional career was I was basically doing agency work. And by the time of late 2021, early 2022, like I hit a point where I was just so bored of it. I couldn't, I couldn't find any fun in it anymore. I like, still like coding, but for me, when you have, uh, you have all sorts of clients, you have clients that are amazing to work with, which you totally enjoy. But then there are also clients who are just where you wish the project would be over finally. Yeah. And um, I felt like even though there were some projects uh, with good clients, I felt like it was not exciting anymore because it was the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And it was kind of boring to me. And that's when I did like a... Uh, a little break from uh, working. Some people call it a sabbatical. Yep. Well, I did not, it didn't feel like a sabbatical to me, to be honest, now and that I reflect back on it. <laughs> Why not? Did you, did you end up uh, doing too much? I don't know. I feel like all the things that I wanted to do, I didn't do. It sucked a bit, but that was my own fault. So, uh, yeah. But it was still a good thing to not work for uh, a while uh, so yeah and I think no I lost it uh, so, for, so for me the um, the part when I was lost again looking for a job uh, in summer of 2022 yes two um I really wanted to go away from the agency side because, like, I had a break for a couple months, but no, I want to see something new. <laughs> and uh, so, so uh, yeah, I uh, ended up at Extendify, yep. which was uh, a very great experience to working full-time on a product, and I just enjoyed that you usually do not have any pressure on how uh, fast you need to do things. Because sometimes when you have clients, it needs to be done like yesterday. Yeah. And um, yeah, when it came time this year to look for another job, I was still like, ah, agency, yeah, I could, but I do not want to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and the thing with Braid is uh, I was particularly curious about their product. So I've seen uh, and watched them before, like what they're doing and what's uh, on there. And when I was in conversation with them, I really liked their, like the human side of the business as well as like what they're doing. And for me, I saw that I could actually work on uh, WordPress again with yeah. the blog editor and the site editor and that was actually the main uh, reason why I decided to go there and join them 
So are you working on their agency side more or on the product as well? How does Currently that on the product. Okay, cool. So um, may maybe I will join a client project, but for now, uh, they, they do not have many client projects at the moment. They have quite a couple, but it's not that like they're so much of them and they're well taken care of. So yeah. I can dive into the product and that's a lot of fun at the moment. So for those listening that have no clue what that product is, can you explain it? Because it's it's a, it's a very interesting product. Yeah, so uh, the Great Suite is uh, like a combination of different things, actually. Hence the name Suite. Um, it has some features that are interesting for people uh, or a lot or like enterprise the enterprise area of uh, WordPress. So you have uh, things like global content, which means you can have content at multiple sites. It has a lot of different multi-site features, but also they provide additional blocks that uh, enhance the blog editor way more than the core blocks do. And um, it's, it has, very various different features and all combined together makes it a very versatile product to work on with a website i think that's the so I, i've seen a demo of it at uh, WordCamp germany um, it is an extremely versatile solution uh, solving problems that you need for multiple sites in a very different way i it's it's it was refreshing to see um, so yeah, um, but the, um, the, the switch from agency to, uh, to, to products I get, um, I did a sabbatical myself for the sort of similar reason, um, stopped working at, uh, I stopped working at uh, Surfbolt and then kind of went like, oh, so what do I want to do now? I don't want to do just the agency side of things again, but I want to like the, what excites me. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I've always enjoyed the performance side of things and I've always done that, but I've never advertised it. Um, so I, I, I understand the reboot and the need for sort of a fresh approach to the same topic because ultimately it's still code, right? It's still. Exactly. You're, you're, you're writing the same type of stuff. And I'm still enjoying it coding, but like the environment is just different. Yeah. But it, what, it, what you're doing, but the code. Exactly, but it's it, it's funny to because uh, I think I hear that you say the same thing. But the, writing the code is not the thing; it is the environment and the purpose that you're writing the code for that makes it an interesting day. At least for me, and by the sound of yeah, it, for me too, that works for you as well. And I know developers who just go like, you know, just give me give me heaps and lines of code that I just need to refactor, and I'm happy. It doesn't matter what it needs to do. Just let me do that. I know I know developers who go, uh, I don't care what I need to build. Just tell me what I need to build. And, that's not me. And then me neither. But I go like, that's amazing that you have that ability because I do not have that. I need to have a purpose. Um, and, you know, there's, there's so many different ways that motivate different strokes of people to build new cool stuff. Or even not even new stuff, just refactor stuff. Um, 
I'm always amazed at the 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 the, the variety of motivations that people have to uh, to work. And I guess it's doesn't it's not limited to code in in of itself, but coding is a good example of where uh, it's essentially the same thing, but it depends so much under which in, in in which environment, under which stress, for what purpose, all of those things. Um, I'm there's there's one thing that I'm 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 also curious about. So you have been working in this line of field for uh, 17 years. You said mm-hmm. um, you've contributed to uh, a great many different parts of WordPress. I've seen your uh, profiles.wordpress.org uh, site, so um, profile page, I should say. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that is checked off uh, for you. What is the thing you're most proud of? Well, now I can say 2024, I guess. <laughs> I would expect so, but you know, it can it it can be the small, the different, and the little things that are just happening somewhere along the line. I think now this year has been quite an interesting year in contributions. Of course, for 2024, for for 6.4 release. Yeah. Being the lead organizer for Kim to Germany, um, because I think I meant I forgot to mention this earlier. Because the German community that was like coming together and saying, "Hey, we want to do a WordCamp," they trusted me, and I was asked to do the lead organizer. So it wasn't me that was pushing forward and uh, being there like, "Hey, I'm gonna do it." No, I was asked by the community to do so. Yeah, and. Um, that is a huge compliment. Thank you. And uh, another thing that is probably uh, not well known by many people is that I helped um, making the default themes, the older default themes, uh, GDPR ready by removing the Google fonts. Ah, okay. I was involved in this. Um, so the whole of Germany thanks you even more. Well, the whole of Europe, I guess, because we all have that prep problem <laughs> everywhere. Do, I, from 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 my experience uh, in Germany, the privacy laws are uh, followed up a little bit more meticulously than the rest of Europe. Um, I think the Netherlands is doing fine there as well, but it 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 always um, uh, it, it it's noticeable how much more the Germans care about it. Yeah, I mean, we had this, uh, it popped up somewhere, I cannot remember when it was, was it this year or last year already? I think last year already. And then it took a couple months until, like, I had to nag uh, a few more people, like, hey, what's going on? What can we do here to, like, finally make that happen? Because it was, like, laying around for a couple months. And what happened was actually that someone got sued on their web because of the website because it was using Google fonts and yeah, yeah. I mean but, they but, they had to pay like hundred bucks but yeah okay it could have been avoided and the reason was it because the person used the default theme and didn't know that there were Google fonts being loaded yeah yeah and and then it makes perfect sense uh, there's there's no uh, I'm not trying to take away uh, or or bring any negativity to the privacy component. I think it's something we need to be, we should all treat it the way I perceive Germans uh, treating it. But it's uh, uh, 
that again, that's a very nice, uh, unknown, but impactful thing to do. Um, yeah. And I think as such as like, because I'm German or because that came around because like, of course it happened in Germany, <laughs> Yeah, but so the lawsuit was know. in Germany. Sorry. The lawsuit was in Germany. Yes. Okay. Uh, in Munich actually. And we all know that privacy isn't a focus in WordPress. No. Sadly, actually. So, and that's why you have to, someone has to step up and actually do something about it. Yeah. So I wrote the issue back then and uh, Hendrik Lörsen um, added some uh, pull requests for it, but it got stuck somewhere in the middle, but then you had to be, hello, there is still this issue going around. What can we do to finally make it happen? Was the, and, was yeah. the trigger that litigation had started or was the trigger that um, it needed to be fixed and hey, here's an example? We felt it just needed to be fixed. Because we were both, Hedrick and I were both pretty much annoyed that like this was still the case and eventually someone had to, was sued just because of using a default team, which shouldn't be for an open source project like WordPress. So if I understand this correctly, if we want to get some stuff done, we need to get either you or Henrik annoyed. Is that, is that the road? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. But no. it's usually a good trigger. It's unfortunately not everything um, is done, but um, I don't know how to say that. And like there are many things where people are not happy with WordPress in some way and yep. want to fix it, but don't know how to fix it or doesn't get too much attention. And I think the key here in, in that case for the Google Fonts was because like I went into the core dev chats and asked people, what can we do here to mm -hmm. make that happen, to make that pull request getting merged? And I think oftentimes people just like make a ticket and maybe even do a pull request, but it gets lost somehow because like everyone else working on the, uh, on the releases is just so busy with other things that have a higher priority. Yeah. Which is kind of sad, but like, it's such a huge project at the end of the day. So you have to be. It's also life and the planning of not, of your life running right through stuff like this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what, what's, um, uh, what is the final advice, uh, you can give for anyone being annoyed? Cause I, I, I do like that trigger. Yeah. Uh, anyone being annoyed with something currently happening in WordPress. And it's, it's something that can be fixed in the direction you would like it to be. So I, I'm not looking for the people who go like, Oh, great. Let me, let me see if we can get the classic editor back. Uh, I'm not looking at those types of things, but what is Neither. the, what is the, yeah. Uh, what is the best advice you can give for uh, people wanting to find a solution, but don't know where to start or don't have the skills or what, what should they do? Well, that's a very tricky question because like there is not an easy answer to this. Or go for the easiest one you can find. Well, I would just ask you a question. What is the one sentence, uh, that a doctor, a lawyer and a developer shares as the most favorite? 
It depends. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I did know. <laughs> and uh, I think that's, that's the case. Like it depends on what kind of issue it is. And I think generally you need some kind of knowledge how WordPress works, how the releases work, yeah. how the people involved, what is their job actually, like their contribution job, not their like day job where they earn money. And um, it took me years to like understand how WordPress works and how the contributions work in different areas, whether it be the community team or the core team. And um, I think when you need an like an open mind to see that, of course, things could have or could be done better than okay. they are done now, but they they go, they uh, go like a certain way, and you have to understand that. And the best thing is, I think, when you have a special question or regard is um, to join one of these um, meetings, like mm -hmm. the dev chat. Yep. And there's always an open floor uh, at the end. When the agenda is uh, basically done, you can uh, raise your hand and ask a question there. Oh. And I think that's that's maybe a good way to get started because then it a raises awareness for those people who are around mm -hmm. and uh, he might even have someone doing a follow-up task or someone else gets notified about this and then you just have to after that you have to um, go back there every now and then when you see there's, that there's no progress being done and ask again, but stay friendly. I think that's the, that's the key because most people do it in their free time. Yep. Their contributions and it's supposed to be a fun thing, but uh, it can be also a not so fun thing, maybe sometimes for some people. So yeah. just be kind generally when you uh, reach out. I think that's the best advice you could give. Just be kind. Thank you so much for uh, for uh, being on the podcast. I uh, appreciate it. Learned a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. Thanks so much.